We are happy you guys are here. And we are excited to wrap up week three of the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I think it is very timely that we're starting now. Hold on, I am gonna sit down. I was like, I'm gonna just test it out and I'm gonna feel more confident and comfortable sitting down. Okay, so I am super pumped because I think that this is arguably the busiest season of the year right now. And we're walking into it knowing how to slow down and how to to take life slower. Um, So I want to do a quick recap because I know that the holidays means that people are in and out and and all of those things. And I want to remind you guys that you can always listen to the sermons. My shirt's messed up. You can always listen to the sermons uh, on our podcast. The quality is better than you get on Facebook. You don't have to like watch. You can be driving down the road. Um, and if you search for oasistn.church, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can subscribe and they automatically download onto your phone. So go ahead and do that. That way, if you have to miss church, you can listen to the sermons and stay like up to date with what God wants to teach Oasis. Um, so quick recap, week one, we dug into the problem of hurry and we recognized like, yes, it's a problem. We all hurry and the hurry is killing our souls. It's keeping us disconnected from each other. It's keeping us disconnected from ourselves. And most importantly, a lot of times it's disconnecting us from God because we're so in a hurry that we don't have time to slow down and be with God. And we learned that busyness isn't the problem. We're going to be busy and that's okay. But when we are so busy that the only way to get everything done is hurry through it, that's when it's a problem. Um, and we, we talked about the answer comes from scripture in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. We learned that yoke has a double meaning, remember? It means like a farming equipment for an animal that they used to pull something. But more importantly, in the context of what the Jewish people of that time were hearing, they heard it as a way that a Jewish teacher taught about how to handle the burden of life. So Jesus is going, hey, I know that you have a burden. You're a human and that comes with a burden, but I have a lighter burden for you. Like watch what I do, do what I do. And that burden is going to be lighter. Um, so we learned that if you're going to be Jesus's apprentice, you're going to watch what he does and then do it because that's what apprentices do. You watch what somebody is doing and then you learn it from them and you do it to become like them. So in week two, we talked about what does Jesus actually do? We talked about silence and solitude. We learned the acronym SLOW, remember? Schedule your silence and solitude. Literally silence external noise. Open your soul towards God and work through your internal noise. All of those had to do with silence and solitude because Jesus, the busier and the more popular and the more ministry he was doing, the more he went to be by himself. Because when you spend time with God by yourself in silence and solitude, you leave clear-minded, more um, centered, and God has already shown you like what you're supposed to do and what you can say no to. So it's important to spend time with God And the acronym was SLOW because the second part we talked was about slowing, physically slowing our bodies. Because following Jesus isn't just like a mind and spirit thing. It's a whole person thing, which means our bodies have to be involved in it. So we talked about 20 ways to physically slow your body down, to force yourself to slow down. And we challenged you guys to do four. So I want to know, did anybody do at least one? Did anybody practice one? Hey, yeah, I'm proud of y'all. Okay. We were talking at dinner the other night. The ones in the car are great because it's like three of them. You can knock like three out in the car. Not that they're easy, but you can do it. Um, 
So yeah, that, that was our last use. So tonight we're going to look at two more habits of Jesus that we can practice so that we can eliminate the hurriedness in your life. Um, but first, earlier we talked about Thanksgiving at the beginning of the service, and I just want to say, like, Thanksgiving is over, okay? So all of y'all that proudly rose your hand and you were like, I wait until after Thanksgiving to put up my Christmas tree, like, now is your time to shine. It's your time. Get out your Christmas stuff and start decorating. Um, did anybody do that? Like, is that what you do Thanksgiving weekend? You put up your tree? Yeah? Okay. Hey, I am not, there's no shame. This is, this is the church. There is no shame. I was just curious. Um, did anybody get out all of their stuff and become like, oh my gosh, I have so much of this. Like, what am I going to do with all of it? <laughs> Listen, that has been me. Not so much with Christmas stuff. With Christmas stuff, I'm like, honestly, we have a bin, like a single bin because I'm like, I don't have time to set up my whole house. So we have ornaments and we have, now we have lights outside because we were in Target and Clint was like, we should put lights on the outside of our house. And I'm like, okay. So then we had to call Ryan and make sure I wasn't going to die touching a power line at the top of our house, but I didn't die. I put lights on our house and it looks cute. So now we have lights outside and a Christmas tree and that's it. But I get overwhelmed with kid clothes. Um, Like whenever you have to swap out seasons, like it's so much. My clothes are hard enough, like swapping out summer and winter and spring or summer, in spring and fall and winter. Like I have a hard enough time doing my own clothes. Like, you know, do I still like this? Does it still fit? Is it still in style? Did I wear it last season? And like doing all that. But then you add three kids that are growing like weeds and it's like, it's so much. So I, I get their, all of their stuff out and I look at this massive pile of clothes and I have to decide like, does it still fit them? Is it still in season? If it like, if it doesn't fit them and it's not in season, like, I have to get rid of it. But if it fits them, but it's not in season, will it fit them next season? There's like 20 questions that I have to ask myself. I put them in like 30 different piles, and then I just get really overwhelmed. Like, if any of you guys, if any of y'all were with us when we did the workday, you saw my, my mind in, the, in like the organization progress. It's not, it's not good. I'm not good at it. And so I'll just have piles that sit there for weeks and so long that I'm like, I don't even know what that pile is. Let me dig through it and find out. And I have to start from the beginning and it's just a mess. So anyways, I finally get it done. It takes weeks. And then Ruben walks out of his room and he's like, mom, none of my clothes fit. Swear. So now I get to start all over again with Ruben. And it's just like, ah. So I know that for you guys, it might not be kid clothes, but I would be willing to bet that there is something in your life that overwhelms you. Like there's some stuff in your life that overwhelms you. Like maybe it's, your, your tools, like you've got a lot of tools and it's just like, what, what do I do with all of these? Or your, your, that's Clint's, that's Clint's problem is all of the tools that we have around the house get really, really overwhelming. Um, or maybe it's your own clothes or, you know, your kitchen is always a mess because you can't find room for everything. Like there is any number of, of ways that it can affect you, but I'm willing to bet that it affects you because stuff is a big deal in our society. Like too much stuff, too little stuff. Like people just think about stuff a lot. But Jesus was not concerned with it. Like he, he had the clothes on his back and the shoes on his feet. And he's like, I'm going, this is my life. Like, if you want to do this, take up your cross and follow me. Let's go. So he lived simply. And that's what we're going to talk about. That's point three is simplicity. Um, and we're going to look, we're going to jump right into one of the harder things that Jesus ever talked about. One of the harder things to understand. And I'll set up the image for you guys. He's teaching and this, this guy comes up. And the only way that we ever talk about this guy is as the rich young ruler. That's, there's no name, but like whenever he's spoken about, that's what he's called. 
He comes up and he says, hey, Jesus, I like, what do I need to do to follow you? And Jesus says, well, you know, the commandments, you know, honor your mother and father, don't murder, like basic things. And he's like, well, yeah, I do that. Okay, cool. Like, so I'm good. And Jesus goes, but there's one thing you haven't done. Sell all of your possessions, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the rich young ruler walked away sad because he had a lot of possessions. And then Jesus turns to the people and he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. That's in Mark 10, 25. And you might be thinking like, you're telling me that wealth makes it harder to experience the kingdom of God on earth? Um, And I'm not telling you that, but Jesus is. Jesus is telling you that. And I know that it doesn't really compute in our minds because to us, like, money makes life better. Stuff makes life easier. But that's not so in the kingdom of God. Because instead of believing that this full life that Jesus offers us, John Tinton says that he came to give us an abundant life. Instead of believing that we can have that right here and right now, regardless of our income level or our relationship status or our gender or life stage or whatever, we buy into the lie that we need something else to make ourselves happy. We need the new shoes, the new car with the fancy navigation system, the new bigger house. Like those are what's gonna make us happy. And there's so many of us that buy into those lies. And the things aren't bad. Things are amoral. They're not good or bad. But what is bad is when they become our identity, just like the rich young ruler. That's how he's known, is the rich young ruler. That was his identity. And that's when it's, that's when it's hard and when something is off. Um, And honestly, I don't think it's that hard to believe that this is a problem in our society because studies have shown that we see 4,000 to 10,000 ads every single day, every single day. So there are some days that you are seeing an ad on an average of every 15 seconds. And those ads are purposefully designed to stoke that fire in your belly of wanting more. More, 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 more. That's what they're there for. But the more isn't helping us. Like we are getting more and our society, our, our country is wealthier and better than ever before. But studies show that as like a, as in Western countries, as the, their wealth goes up, the happiness does not follow. Happiness either, either levels out or it goes down. So it's scientifically proven that money does not equal happiness so what do we do? Like, if that's not going to be the answer, if, if stuff isn't going to equal happiness, what do we do? Do we go live in a hole or like go out in our backyard and just turn off all of the screens so we never see another ad? Like, is that how we find happiness? Like, no, because like I said, the stuff isn't the problem. It's that we don't know how to limit the amount of stuff that we have. And we don't, we don't know how to be okay with what we have. And that's the real answer, is finding contentment in what God has already given us. How many of you guys have heard the verse, um, I can do all things through him who strengthens me? Every single person? Yep, you've probably seen it in a yearbook or on the back of a car or like written on some guy's face playing football, right? Like it's everywhere. Um, But does anybody know what the verses right before that say? I'm gonna tell you. Philippians 4, 11, and 12 say, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. So 
He's obviously not writing about some situational Goliath in our life, you know? Like, he's writing about a massive um, uh, an enemy of our soul, and that's discontentment. Like, in Ecclesiastes, the author of Ecclesiastes calls it chasing after wind. Like, we're always going to be discontent in our life because there's always going to be disappointments and unmet expectations. Um, but the truth is that you can be happy right here right now through Jesus who gives you strength. And that's how, that's, that's the answer. It's finding contentment through Jesus who gives you strength. And you do that by continuing to re, like invest in your relationship with him. So tonight I want to give you guys some practical ideas on how to live simpler so that it frees up resources that you can then invest in Jesus. It frees up time. It frees up money. It frees up emotional ties to things. And I'm not going to challenge you to like live with nothing. Like I'm not saying go sell everything and follow Jesus. I just want you guys to like, I want to challenge you to think about living with less because Jesus did, and we're supposed to do what Jesus did. So here's some ideas I want y'all to write down, especially the ones that, that connect with you. Number one, before you buy something, ask yourself, what is the true cost of this item? So think about like, what's it going to cost to clean, to repair, to maintain, to finance, to store, like to use all of those things, because the the price of the item is going to be more than the ticket price, you know? Um, think about, like, how much is it going to cost me? How, or how much time is it going to cost me? How often will I use it? Is it going to help me enjoy God better and know him more? Or is it going to distract me from him? And really think about what will it do to my pace of life? And you're going to ask yourself some of these questions. And sometimes it's going to be like, yes, that's great. Go, like, do it, buy it. But sometimes the answer is going to be no, like I shouldn't do it because it's going to distract me from God or it's going to take my pace of life to a point where I can't maintain that. Um, so just ask yourself some of those questions. Number two is never impulse buy. Because when you exercise your self-control, <laughs> when you exercise your self-control and you sit on something and you think about it, a lot of times that, that desire that the item and like advertisements and all of that stuff has stirred up in us, it passes. And you're like, oh, I actually don't need that. And so the bigger the item, maybe the longer you wait, like the bigger the purchase. And I'm not going to put a number on that because that's y'all's life, y'all's finances. But just something to think about. And I think that most of the time that works, but there is a pair of shoes that I think about that I did not get 10 years ago. And I still think about it. We had like just started, we were super young, had just started a budget. And that was before like I understood that budgets can be like flexible and fluid and you can move stuff around. And I don't know why we went to outlets when we didn't have money budgeted to go to an outlet, but we did. And I walked in and there were these high top Nikes. I've never seen a more me shoe in my entire life. And they had my size and I tried them on and they were perfect. And then like being a good girl, I was like, oh, I don't have shoe budget money. It's okay. I'll just walk away. I won't need them anymore. And 10 years later, I still think about those shoes and I should have just moved money around and gotten them. But the rest of the 10 years, I don't have any more regrets like that. So I think that this one works. Um, number three, get into the habit of giving things away. Um, and I don't mean like necessarily just money, but if you're simplifying your life and you have stuff in your house that you don't need, 
ask the Holy Spirit who you can bless with that and, and then see if there's a need that you can meet. Um, I know for myself, like we've talked about it before, but when we lived in Florida, there were times when like we didn't have two pennies to rub together, you know, like we didn't have money to put food on the table, but God always provided. And um, I was freshly postpartum. We moved there when Ellie was three, three months old. And I was just a little uncomfortable in some of my stuff. And I was like, God, I don't have money to buy clothes. Like, I need you to come through. And I had somehow gotten a free people dress for free. I can't remember. It was some like hack I found online. And I got like a secondhand free people dress for free, which was already awesome. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. And um, I wore it to a wedding. And the next week, our pastor, Pastor Julie, texted me and she said, hey, I saw you wore a free people dress. Do you like free people? And in my mind, I'm like, heck yes, but I just don't pay for it because it's so flipping expensive. Like, but I said, yeah, I do. I think it's great. And she said, well, I'm getting rid of a bunch of free people stuff. Like, would you, would you like to take a look at it? And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. And so she said, okay, just come by the office. And I went expecting like a t-shirt or two and there was a wardrobe of like just amazing clothes that were just right on style for me. And it was just, it was a moment like, I try not to get emotional. Like it's moments like that, like Oasis Church wouldn't have existed, like wouldn't exist today if God didn't take care of me in that way then so that I know and can teach like God will take care of you. Like he cares and it matters. But like Pastor Julie didn't know that. She didn't know that giving away those clothes that she didn't need anymore would, would plant a seed of faith in me that would grow into something like this. So I just wanna challenge you guys to do the same. If there's something sitting around your house that you don't need, ask God who you can bless it with because you literally never know what it could do. So number four, live by a budget. Easier said than done. I just talked about how it's a struggle for me. I'm either like way too like pop, 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 or I am not living by one. So it's hard, but it's, it's important because a budget is simply like a budget is to your money what a schedule is to your time. You schedule your time so that you know that you're using it wisely. So you need to budget your money so you know that your treasure is being used well and not just being squandered. Um, Number five, learn to enjoy things without owning them. Borrow books from the library. That saves you money in buying a book, saves you having to store it somewhere. I grew up with bookshelf after bookshelf after bookshelf full of books, which I love books. I think that's great. But now I'm like, I don't want all of these books. So I love the library. Um, you know, use, we met uh, Kevin and Sadie down at a place called Game Point in Nashville. We love board games, but board games are expensive. They take up a lot of space. There's a place in downtown called Game Point where you can go buy a $3 Topo Chico and you can play. They have hundreds of board games there that you can go and you can play. Like they have tables. It's so much fun. And it's, it's basically free and it's saving you the money and the storage and all of that. Um, because that's something else. Like you have to think, if you're, when you're buying clothes, you have to wash those clothes. You have to hang up the clothes. You have to fold the clothes, like all of these things, you know, like when you're buying things, that's one of the, that's one of the true costs of those items. So just, you don't have to own things to enjoy them. So look for creative ways to, to enjoy things. Uh, number six is cultivate a deep appreciation for simple pleasures, like a long meal with friends, showing up at a friend's house. We showed up at the dentist's house on accident on Friday. There was a miscommunication in text and we, we drove up and Thomas was like, y'all aren't supposed to be here till tomorrow. And we were like, okay, well, uh, 
And so we made it work and we had so much fun. You know, while we had our phones away, we were just playing cards and having fun. Um, Sunrises, sunsets, like a nice walk by yourself out in nature. Like all of those things are free and all of them are ways for us to connect with God and connect with other people um, that are free. And number seven, this is the last one. Start simplifying where the pain point is for you. Like, I clearly need to simplify my children's clothes more. I thought I had done a good job and I haven't. So I need to simplify our clothes more. Um, Maybe for you, it's your kitchen. You have too much stuff and you're like, where am I gonna put this 50th teacup? Like, think about it. Um, Or maybe it's tools. I said tools, but I don't, maybe people have too many. I don't know. That just seems like something that would be easy to accrue. It's not in our house. Although we have like a bajillion random tools that we could probably go through. But anyways, yeah, you like, I'm just saying live simpler because Jesus did. And that frees up our time. It frees up our resources so that we can invest our, more of our time in Jesus. So that is simplicity, which means we have one left. And up until now, we've been talking about like habits, things that we saw Jesus do in the gospels. Um, but in this next one, Jesus did, but it is not just a habit that we can see. It's actually a command from God. So we are gonna talk about Sabbath. Sabbath is number four. And Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. And that word literally means to stop. So a Sabbath is a day that you stop what you're doing. You stop working, you stop worrying, you stop wanting, you just stop. And it's a time to force our restless souls to rest in God because we're, we're restless. Like every soul is because our souls are created for eternity. We are not made to live here in this temporary world. And it's easy to get restless and to get be frustrated and let down over and over again when we're putting our hope and our desires into the world, when we really are eternal beings. We have to put our desires and our hopes back into God and then everything else behind it. Because God isn't telling us to live without desires. Like that's something that he's put inside of us. It's okay to want more and to want better. But it, it needs to be in line with what God is doing in your life. You need to be able to say like, I don't need fill in the blank to live a happy life. Like I've got God. So I, like I said, this is the only principle we're talking about that was commanded. God talks about this in the 10 commandments. And now Jesus has come. We have a new covenant. We are no longer bound to the Old Testament covenant. I believe that. But I also think it's really interesting that this is the only spiritual thing that's commanded. God didn't command prayer. He didn't command fasting. He didn't command all of these. Like he didn't command communion. Like he didn't command any of these spiritual things that we do, but he did command a Sabbath. So I think that it is worth digging into more. And it actually goes way back further than just the 10 commandments. It goes all the way back to creation. Like God created for six days. And then on the seventh day he rested. And like, there are other points in the Bible where it says that God does not grow tired and weary. Like he doesn't need sleep. So why did he rest? But he rested because he wanted to give us an example. He rested for us, for us to see that that's what we need to do. Um, And then he went even further than giving us an example, but he blessed that day. He blessed that seventh day. So he blessed three things in creation. He blessed the animal kingdom. He looked at the animals and said, you were good, be fruitful, be blessed, be fruitful and multiply. He looked at humans. He looked at Adam and Eve and he said, you were good, be blessed, be fruitful, multiply. And then in Genesis 2, 3, the Bible says, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. 
And so, like, it's kind of weird. You're like, God blessed a day. What does that mean? But that just means that God gave a Sabbath, the seventh day, he gave that Sabbath the same ability to create life that he gave to humans and he gave to animals because a Sabbath is how we fill our souls back up with life. Is that important? That's how we fill our souls with life. And so you may be thinking like, there's no way I could give an entire day of not working. I have so much stuff to do. And I would say like, you're probably not doing that much on the seventh day. Like there's studies that say like, there is zero correlation between hurry in productivity. Like, in fact, there is a there, study after study after study after study has said that there is a cutoff point, a certain amount of work hours a week. And after that, productivity plummets across everything, like CEOs, Walmart cashiers, like everything. <coughs> and funnily enough, that number is 50 hours, which happens to be like a six day work week. Like God has put it inside our DNA that we are not supposed to work that seventh day. And so God has obviously commanded it and he's built it into our DNA, but like, why? Why do we Sabbath? Um, There are two ways that God talks about uh, why and how we can use our Sabbath. The first is rest and worship. We use our Sabbath as a time to rest and a time to worship. When he gave the 10 commandments, when God gave Moses the 10 commandments, 30% of, could you give me a water? Do you mind? 30% of what uh, he talked about, thank you, my throat's really dry and I'm gonna start coughing. And nobody wants coughing right now because that just doesn't look good right now. You know what I mean? Okay, 30% of what he talked about was uh, Sabbath out of 10. So like that's a big chunk. And so, you know, it's really important. Number, or Exodus 28, he says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And I really like the word remember because as humans, we are very prone to forget. It's really easy for us to forget, to get caught up in the speed of life, to get caught up in what we're doing, to think like, I need to do this, I need to do that. Like, I don't have time. He says, no, 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 remember, force yourself to remember. And I really like the word observe because when I think of of observing, I think of like a holiday. Like we observe Christmas and that means that we prepare for it. We set aside time for it. We live our life in a way that when we get to Christmas, we can enjoy it. So I like those two words. Um, And then he goes on to say in Exodus 29 and 10, he says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. So notice that the Sabbath is dedicated to the Lord. Like it's our, it's, it's not just a day for rest, but it's a day of worship. And I don't mean just worship, like come in here and sing some songs. Like that's great and that is worship, but I'm talking about like a whole life orientation to God for a day. That, that, that is your focus and that's what you're doing that day is just being with God. And think about how like open and like non- uh, what's the word? I wrote it down. Uh, it's non-legalistic. Like this is a very free thing that he's saying. He's saying rest and worship. That's it. It's going to look different for everybody. But if something isn't restful or it's not worshipful, don't do it on your Sabbath. Just, just don't. You have six other days to do those things. But I love that he gives us the freedom to practice this in the way that makes sense. Because the way I Sabbath is going to be different than the way a single college guy Sabbaths or the way a retired grandma Sabbaths. Like it's going to look different for everybody. But if it's not restful and it's not worshipful, then save it for the other six days. 
Um, yeah, there's no formula or checklist. I love it. Sabbath, okay, and Sabbath also acts, we rest and we worship, and it also acts as a resistance. Resistance, um, which I know is a real weird word, but we'll get to it. Uh, the Ten Commandments, they're talked about um, later in Deuteronomy as well, because Moses is talking to the Israelites and reminding them, again, if y'all don't know, a lot of the Old Testament is God being like, hey guys, remember? <laughs> like They have to be reminded a lot. Um, so Moses is reminding the Israelites of the covenant that they, they made with God through the Old Testament, or through the Ten Commandments. And he's going through them again with them. And so he gets to the Sabbath part, and he says everything that I just said from Exodus. And then he adds something. He says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. And it's like, wait, what? Like, that's a big change. Why is that in there? But again, you have to remember context. Context is so important, like cultural context. So he's talking to these Israelites and they were all raised slaves. Their parents were slaves. Their grandparents were slaves. Their great-grandparents were slaves. And they were slaves to this empire who was using them, they, tossing the humans aside to build this empire up brick by brick, building by building, always wanting more. So he's saying like, hey guys, that's what you used to do. That's what you used to be a part of. And how much does that sound like what we live in? Like our society is always wanting more. It's a society that is driven by like more food, more drink, more friends, more cars, more houses, more stamps on my passports, more, 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 always wanting more. And so he is, he is encouraging the Israelites and us to use the Sabbath as a way to say enough. It's enough. Like, I have enough. What I need is time with God. Um, because I hope by now, like you guys can see the light out of that, that empire of more. Like that, that doesn't have to be the way we live. And the Sabbath is our way of going like, nope, it's enough. Because during the week for those six days, we live life, you know, like we work. We, we clean our house, we text our friends, we exercise, we do all of these things, we live in the modern world. And then on the seventh day, we stop. It's kind of like a governor for a, a motor or an engine. Have y'all heard of that before? I hadn't heard of it. I know, that, this is, that shows I'm not very educated in mechanics. But if you don't know, like I didn't know, a governor is something that you put on an engine, like on a Vespa, where it can only go a certain mile per hour. And a governor, the Sabbath is kind of like a governor on our life. Like we can do all of these things, but we're going to hit our limit. And when we hit our limit, we go, nope, that's enough. Like I'm done. I, I don't have to live that way anymore. Like God is what I need. And so how do you Sabbath? It's easy. You set aside a day. You clear your schedule just like you would think of it like a holiday. You, you have a set day. You clear your schedule. Turn off your phone. Like, you don't have to have your phone. I turned on uh, do not, like, I silenced my notifications the other day. It was glorious. Like, it caused a little bit of a hiccup with Thomas and Jess, but, like, God worked it out, and it was great. <laughs> but, um, you know, silence your phone, and then you just invite the Spirit in to the day, and then you rest and you worship. It's going to look different, but it's that important that God commanded for us to do it. You rest and you worship. And remember, the word Shabbat means to stop. So to stop means that it's a verb. It's something that you do. And most of the time, stuff that you do requires you to practice it. 
It might not go right the first time. I know for us, when we, we did it a few, a couple Fridays ago, not this, this Friday, Thursday was kind of our stop day. But last Friday, we were like, okay, we're gonna turn off our phones. We're gonna turn off our screens. And like, we got about halfway through the day. We were like, this is weird. Like, what do we do? It didn't really feel right. So like, maybe that's not the way that we do it. Like, but you have to practice it. It's something that you have to figure out the rhythm of your life to make it work. Because you're gonna realize as you do it, that if you're going to Sabbath on the seventh day, the other six days have to look different. You have to be preparing for your Sabbath because you can't be running 100 miles an hour, pedal to the metal, like at this insane speed of life and then try to slam your brakes in Sabbath because you're gonna be slamming into a brick wall and it's not gonna feel very good. You have to live your life slower, just like we've been saying, practice all of these things and live your life and plan your days in a way that you can get to that seventh day and you can rest, rest in God, stop, rest and worship, all right? So that's it, guys. We did all four. We had silence and solitude, slowness, simplicity, and Sabbath. And listen, those things are not like an end all, be all, like this is the only way that you can do it. Those are just four ideas that Jesus did that I w- we really want you guys to work on and practice. Um, and I really, I hope and I pray that this series has been as impactful to you guys as it has been to us. Because like I see a marked difference in our family from a month ago until now. Like we are calmer, we have more peace, like we're more patient. Um, we are not perfect because perfection isn't the goal, but we are a little bit more like Jesus. And so I hope that you guys feel the same way. I wasn't expecting you to come I up. I thought you were wrapping, wrapping up. I was getting ready to come wrap up the service, but you go do what you need to do. Oh, okay. Well, real quick, you guys bow your heads and close your eyes. Um, if you have gotten to the end of this and you're still saying like, Pastor Stephanie, I struggle with this. I hear what you're saying. It sounds great, but I don't know how to make it happen. Um, I feel like I can't slow down. I want to know so that I can be praying for you and not just right now. Of course, I'm gonna pray for you right now, but I want to know ongoing. I wanna be able to come alongside you and champion you and encourage you because as your pastors, our job is to equip you to do the work of the saints. And you guys can't do the work that God has set before you if you are killing yourselves, living this hurried lifestyle. Um, So if that's you guys tonight, I just wanna raise your hand so that I can be praying for y'all. All right. Okay, God, thank you so much um, that you gave us Jesus as an example, um, that, you, that you have made it accessible to us, um, that you have given us the gift of, of a Sabbath, God. Like these things are gifts. And I pray right now um, for the people in this room who are having a hard time Um, practicing them. God, I pray that you give them a win. Like I pray that, that you, that you start working in their life in a way that as they're doing these things, they see you working, they see it happening. um, So that bit by bit by bit, they can slow down. Cause when you're going a thousand miles an hour, it takes a little bit of time to slow down safely. And God, I pray that you help them continue to do that, that you give me and pastor Clint um, what we need to help them so that they can go and they can do the work that you have given them. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.